0: Hi. Welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present, on History.org. This is Behind the Scenes, where you meet the people who work here. That's my job. I'm Lloyd Dobbins, and mostly I ask questions. This time I'm asking Meredith Poole, and at Colonial Williamsburg, she is a staff archaeologist working on what at the moment?
1: Our current project is the Ravenscroft site. Um, which is located at the corner of Botetot Street and Nicholson Street. And for people who have something of a Colonial Williamsburg history themselves, it is where the tenant house stood until very recently.
0: Ah, okay. I know the tenant house for some reason. Why do I know it?
1: The Tenant House, I think, is the most moved-around building in the oh, historic area and has, has <laughs> recently wow. been moved to Great Hope's Plantation, but, but um, originated at Carter's Grove and, and sat on the Ravenscroft site for a few years before it was moved again.
0: Okay, if, I'm, if, if it's in my mind correctly, can people watch the
1: work? They can. Um, we are working on that site, not not year-round, for which I am very grateful, um, <laughs> but we are working on it primarily between um, May and September of each year, uh, primarily because we're taking advantage of the use of field school students who we get from the College of William and & Mary and who are part of a 10 week program two five week sessions um, and come out we teach them how to dig on the on the Ravenscroft site and we use their strong and very young backs
0: uh, I had not thought about that before but you don't dig archeologically the same way you would dig up a garden i mean that's you're doing a completely different thing.
1: Exactly. Uh, What we are trying to do um, for all intents and purposes is to take the site apart one chapter or one layer at a time. Each of the soil layers that's accumulated over the site is slightly different in color or composition and so what we're doing is we're noting those soil color changes and trying to um, attach a date to each one of those so that we can meld that information with what we know about the history of the site and determine who has deposited each of those layers. So what we're doing is we're working backwards from the last chapter of a story back to the first chapter.
0: What's, what's the, first, the, the first, first chapter? I mean, what's the earliest thing that you have?
1: Well, the, the earliest, one of the reasons that we were very interested in going to the Ravenscroft site is that there seemed to be some 17th century material showing up there. Um, We know that the site was owned in the 17th century by John Page, who owned much of what we now consider Williamsburg. And there are some materials that seem to date to the very last quarter of the 17th century and the early 18th century that were recovered on the site. Um, The first documented owner of that particular lot is a man by the name of Christopher Jackson, who is a surveyor, and he was followed very quickly by Thomas Ravenscroft, for whom the site is named. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, we call it the Ravenscroft site, I think, because we we assumed that it was Thomas Ravenscroft who built the two brick structures that we now know to stand on that property.
0: Uh, this may sound like a foolish question, but I'm really curious. When you are digging in, and, and you're in the 18th century and you know you're in the 18th century, have you ever found something that predated the 18th century that just maybe shouldn't have been there but was anyway?
1: Well, it, it happens all the time. Things oh. do get stirred up, so it's not a, a silly question at all. Um, things do get stirred up and plowed up, and and generally you can find things that predate what you're looking at, um, mainly because people hang on to things for a, a good long time. Um, what gets difficult is when you're finding things that post-date where you think you are in time oh um, and and what that means is that you've missed some sort of an indication some sort of a soil change um, that, that told you that something disturbed that layer and you missed it and so you do need to be careful of of the sorts of date changes that that um, would indicate that you've you've gone beyond the bounds of of what you're looking for
0: uh, if you can what's the most Exciting thing that you found that that that, that fits
1: with this site. Um, we have been working slowly at the remaining pieces of a of a trash midden that built up a, along the foundation of one of the buildings that we know to exist out there. Um, if I may back up one step, part of what we know about this site came from a 1954 excavation in which um, which was done in a very different way than we dig today and was done primarily to uncover brick foundations and there were two that were discovered on the lots that we are looking at but neither building seemed to shake out in the right ways for the the excavators doing the work and so they covered those things back up again and then in 1998 right before the tenant house was put there because we were aware that there were some um, early remains early structural remains on the site um, we went back and dug right where the tenant house was going to be, and we completely excavated the footprint of the tenant house that was going to be seated there, so that nothing was was destroyed in the process um, at the time we uncovered part of a trash midden or a trash pit or deposit um, that produced over nine thousand artifacts in a three in a seven meter by ten meter square, so it was a very rich and full and productive um, type of feature. Part of that was left untouched um, in 1998, and so when we went back in 2006, we got to excavate the rest of that, that feature. Um, the artifacts that are coming out of that trash midden show that the Ravenscroft site was both a very rich and a very varied site, um, that it had many more expensive types of things than, when, than we usually find, but also in quantity um, had a lot more material than we are accustomed to seeing. Uh, we know something about some of the people who lived there um, and they include a number of printers for the virginia gazette um, who were in the government employ at the time and it seems to have been something that paid off rather handsomely for them
0: i i know nothing about archaeology except that archaeologists seem fascinated by trash of the period uh so I kind of wonder, since no one keeps trash anymore, what will archaeologists looking at us find?
1: Well, we we produce plenty of trash. Oh, that's, yeah. that's not the problem. I think that what we will have to do is to change our, our level of, of interpretation. Right now what we do is we look at households and we look at the trash that people threw out their back doors and we accumulate all of that and go through it and learn what we can about how an individual household functioned um, i think in the future what we will have to do is look at communities we will have to look at things like landfills and use a different level of analysis than we might use today
0: i was just thinking that in virginia virginia now accepts last year accepted uh... garbage barges from three northeast states so some poor archaeologists trying to figure out what happened here is going to be lost. Uh,
1: that will become very complicated.
0: Uh, do people ever t- talk to the archaeologists when, when they're digging?
1: Oh, I hope so. We we encourage that. Oh. Um, archaeology is one of those things that, that seems to have some sort of a fascination for, for most people. And one of our goals at the Ravenscroft site is to make it as fully accessible to the public as we possibly can. And we've done that both by... Uh, providing background materials on the on the web, we have put signs all over the site that explain aspects of what we're doing. Uh, last year, we maintained a blog, um, so that we we had a, a web log that was kept, um, you know, three or four times every month it was updated, um, and we also had a lot of hands-on activities for children on the site. So we do encourage that kind of 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 involvement. We also for the first time last year made public interpretation a requirement for the field school students. So much of their grade depended on their um, their mastery of the basic site information, their willingness to talk to people. I think by last year visitors actually felt almost accosted by by uh, students wanting to give them information.
0: <laughs> Tell me some some things like you said printers mm-hmm. how do you know it was printers clearly don't know them
1: oh, we don't know them we we have got historical records things like deeds that tell us who was living on specific sites at specific times the two lots that we are interested in are two colonial lots that were numbered two sixty seven and two sixty eight and so the sorts of things that we might have are our deeds or um, some of these people were actually tenants on the site they didn 't own the land, but we do have uh, documents that attach a person and an occupation um, to to a particular piece of land and so it there 's a a blending of historical information and archaeological
0: What are some artifacts that you would you would expect to find from a normal if such a thing exists? seventeenth century household i'm sure they'd all be different but kind of what are you looking for
1: well if you think about our own houses and what we typically throw out um, the room in each of our houses that produces the most garbage is the kitchen Um, and so much of what we recover are things that have to do with people's daily production of food and consumption of food so we'll find a lot of um, bits of ceramic plates, and we find a lot of animal bone. Uh, more than half of what we typically find in the ground is wine bottle glass, which is a <laughs> fact that you can take and do whatever you care to do with. Um, I think it probably reflects more the fact that that wine bottles were inexpensive and easily broken than it than it does the the actual consumption of of wine.
0: Well, I don't know. Water wasn't all that good
1: in those it, days. Absolutely right. I think it was a good choice.
0: Uh, I, I, I had I lived in that period, I think I would have much preferred wine to water.
1: I absolutely agree with you.
0: Uh, milk wasn't all that healthy either, come to think of.
1: And, and some of us are not milk drinkers even today when it is. So yeah,
0: well, I don't care for it now. Uh, has anything on this site surprised you?
1: We began on this site hoping that what we had was a 17th century building. We we do know we have two brick foundations. Last year, we began the excavation of only one of those buildings. And so we've had a chance to go back and look at only one. But the one that we've selected is the one that we really thought could be a 17th century building. And that was mainly because of the uh, the architectural types of materials that were turned up during the 1998 dig in, in that trash bin um, produced a lot of um, some some clay roofing tiles, um, which we have traced back to a tile kiln belonging to John Page that was in operation in the 1660s. It produced um, window leads, which are the, the little um, pieces of lead that hold small window panes into casement mm-hmm. windows. Um, things that we typically think of as 17th century. And what we hoped that we had was a foundation that was was there before all the streets were laid out, so prior to 1699, and, and a building that was oriented along a ravine that runs along the west side of the property. Um, this year, this last year, when we went back and were able to look at that foundation more closely, we dug a little bit of the trench that runs along the outside of that foundation and recovered from that a collection of artifacts. Uh, what we do with those artifacts is we find the most recent of them and use that to help us date the foundation. The most recent artifact in that builder's trench uh, dated to 1725. So we this is a much later building than we thought it was, um, wh- which makes some sense But um, it it puts it in a a whole different arena.
0: Yeah, but uh, 1725—that 25 years—is not a whole bunch of time. If that's the latest thing you've got, theoretically, if you dug down a bit, you would get earlier.
1: You would get down earlier. We know that the building, though, dates to 1725. I guess the—you're right. 25 years is not a significant difference but what it means is that what we thought we had was a pre-Williamsburg building ah. and it is now a post-Williamsburg yeah, okay. building and and so it is, makes it's yeah. sort of a, a there's is, there there. Is
0: a, a gap there you you wanted something before 1699 and you got That's 1725 right. but,
1: but the one thing that we were very clear on at this point is that there is a 17th century building in the very close vicinity and what we now think happened is that they constructed a cellar in a ravine, using the ravine to do the the heavy work of digging that that cellar hole for them. So they constructed the cellar in the ravine and then used um, the accumulated garbage from nearby to fill that ravine in to avoid water problems. And what they were throwing into the ravine to fill in around the building seems to be 17th century building material. So somewhere close by there is another building, and it's up to us to find out where it is.
0: So the, the your building from 1725 had a had a basement in the ravine. Yes, it did. And the sixteen prior material was stuff from someplace else that, that essentially they built a dam with.
1: Exactly, they built it up so that the water did not rush into their cellar, and then they capped it off with a layer of clay um, to to make a level surface.
0: I can tell you one thing, they certainly weren't thinking about 21st century archaeologists or they wouldn't have done that.
1: That's absolutely right.
0: That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. Check history.org often. We'll post more for you to download and hear.